Good morning, every nation. I received a correction uh, this morning after the first service. In the first service, I said, uh, Pastor Jesse is an honorary Zulu. After the first service, she said to me, no, Pastor Sai, I was born in KZN. I'm officially Zulu. After singing like the way she sang, definitely, she deserves uh, a clap. And really, uh, like I said uh, to Tony over there, there's a Zulu on my stoop. So, Jesse is with us this morning. Friends, always great to be in the house of the Lord. I so appreciated Jesse's exhortation on uh, being part of a family. If you are part of family, you, you help uh, carry the weight. You get rebuked, you get challenged, you get uh, to receive the blessing of the house. So today is our Volunteer Sunday, and you're going to get an opportunity to, to serve in, and bring your gifts and talents before the Lord. As we um, get ready for the Word, I have just a quick reminder of our guest speakers next week, Sunday. We're looking forward to having Pastor Kevin York all the way from Nashville. He's one of the international apostolic leaders of every nation. He's the director of every nation churches and ministries. And what I like about Kevin, he's such a profound teacher of the Word. I mean, when he preaches the Word, he unpacks it, and you want to just take it and live it. So he'll be preaching at the 12 o'clock and 5 p.m. service next week. And in the morning, 8.30 and 10.30, we have Pastor Michael Swain, all the way from Cape Town. Michael Swain is one of the founding members of Every Nation, His People, Cape Town, and he'll be with us for the two morning services. So I, I, as I said last week, I do have a hunch that some of you are going to do two services next week, meaning that you will come to the teaching by Pastor Michael Swain as he's teaching on being a biblically-based church and being in the Word of God. And then you can stay for the 12 o'clock, or you can come to the evening service to hear Kevin York. Can I hear amen to that? Okay, that's not to say you'll be there, just in fact you feel convicted. I just want us to go back to the story of Gideon. Last week, Pastor Sir preached such a profound message. Wasn't it great? That was a great word. It was a great word. If you missed it, get the podcast. It was a powerful word. The three things that he spoke about from the life of Gideon, and we'll continue on one of them today. He spoke about overcoming fear, fight fear. He spoke about overcoming offense and also pressing into a relationship with Jesus. And it was a great, great word. And today, as we continue with the story of Gideon, I want to just uh, bring your attention to chapter 5, chapter 7 of the book of Judges. As you open there, let me give you a bit of background to this. You look at the history of Israel throughout the Old Testament. You find that Israel, they were struggling and grappling with the one thing that God was requiring of them. God was calling them to the audience of one. And this is what we will be talking about today. What does it mean to have an audience of one? What does it mean to play to the audience of one? What does it mean to live for the worship of one? What does it mean to say, God, you are my God, and there's no one else? What does it mean for us? So for today, the one-point sermon that I have for you is who do you worship? Who do you worship? Who is that person that you put in front and say, this is the person that I worship? And we're going to talk about tearing down altars and tearing down idols that tend to take the place of God in our lives. We're going to tear down those altars. You're also aware that each day we are faced with a, a judgment from people who look at us and they are watching and observing how we live our lives. 
Do we live our lives in such a way that we honor the one and only God? Do we live for the worship of, 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 of the one audience? Do we live to please the one God or do we live to please the many? As a marketplace ministers, all of you that are here working in the marketplace, you are faced with a challenge of uh, are you going to live to please your clients or live to please the audience of one? The interesting thing about that is as you please the audience of one, you will ultimately be able to reach the needs of your client. You will be able to. As pastors, we are faced with the challenge of are we going to please the audience of one and worship God alone or are we going to try to please the congregation members? We, we look at the mirror and ask ourselves, God, what is it that you're saying to your church and not to just say the things that I want to hear but to say the things that God wants to say. That is why we speak about worshiping the audience of one. You know, politicians have crafted their message in such a way that they're able to get a message that targets their target group. Politicians, they've crafted their sermon so well, I intentionally said sermon, they've crafted their sermon so well that when they know that this is important to people, that's what they will speak about. My question is to you today, which audience are you playing to? Who are you playing to? Christ has called us to the audience of one, and that is Him. He has called us to the worship of one, and that is Him. He is the only one that we should worship. He's the only one that we should give all our glory and honor. When we please other people, we find ourselves falling into situational ethics. When we please other people, we find ourselves just wanting to be right and correct for that moment, forgetting the main audience that we should be worshipping. So let's read together Judges chapter 7. I'm reading from verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can read with me on the screen, but I hope you can continue to read the story at home because we won't read all of Judges today. We do not have time to go through the whole book of Judges. Verse 1. Early in the morning, Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear, emphasis there, may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remain. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. Verse 5, so Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as dogs leapt from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, leaping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that leapt, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the peoples go home. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of others. 
Now the camp of Midian lay below in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. May the Lord bless the reading and the study of His Word. Can I hear amen to that? As we study this uh, couple of verses that we've read, I believe there's a few things that God is saying to us. I believe God is drawing our attention to this vast army that He was leading Gideon to go and fight the Midianites with. If you remember in Judges chapter 6 that uh, Gideon is this guy who was so afraid, who was so fearful, he was actually threshing wheat in the wine press. He was hiding from going out there and facing the Midianites. The same guy, Gideon, we now see him from being a pauper to being a prince. We see him leading uh, an army of 32,000 people. I was thinking to myself, Pastor Greg, how did he get to 32,000 people without a Facebook account? Just thinking. How did he get to 32,000 people without a Twitter account? How did he get to 32,000 army without an Instagram account? And I was thinking to myself, it is because he had mastered the audience of one. It is because he had overcome his fear and he had pressed into the relationship with God as Pastor Sip shared with us. He had come to the place of understanding that God can do it with or without Facebook. Amen. Amen. Nothing wrong against, that I have against Facebook. I'm just saying that at times we, we look at the circumstances around us and we, we think that we don't have what it takes to face the battle that God wants us to face. We look around the circumstances around us and we say, we will not be able to achieve the things that God wants us to achieve. Gideon is a good example for us of someone who overcame the fact that he was the least in his family. His family was the least in the whole clan. But he said, with God, we can. With God, we can. He came up with an army of 32,000. And if you look at the maths here, the Bible says that of the 32,000, 22,000 men left while, while 10,000 remained. There was a sifting process that God took these guys through. He said to Gideon, Gideon, I want you to look at this army. Look at those, look at these words right here, who trembles with fear. Look at those who trembles with fear. If you read it in the New King James Version, it says, those who are fearful and afraid. Whenever there's uh, interchanging words like that in the Bible, there is some form of emphasis and, and attention that God is drawing us to. Being fearful is the state of the heart, is internal. Being afraid is an external state when you start to tremble with fear. Being afraid is when you tremble and you're gripped with fear that you forget the God that we worship, that He has taken them through the Red Sea. The same word that Jesse shared with us this morning. We forget the things that God has done and we get crippled with fear. God is saying those that are crippled with fear, they must stay behind. They must not go with you to all. It is my prayer today that you will also get to a place where you have men and women who are not trembling with fear that can fight battles with you. That you can have men and women who understand the worship of one. I believe the 22,000 who were sent back home, they had lost the worship of one. They had lost sight of this God that we worship, that they were trembling with fear. Let us not be crippled by fear. 
I'm just talking about the first group that was sent back home before I talk about the second group. And as I talk about this group, you should think of yourself and say, where am I positioned? Where am I positioned in this army that God is raising? You know, when we talk about this first group that was crippled with fear, you can see them trembling. That's why Gideon said, let us, let, them, let us send them home. I thought of a story my wife told me last year sometime. She took our daughter and a few others to uh, play hockey at this uh, private school in an estate in Midrand. I'm not mentioning by name on purpose. Because my daughter from, from her school, they, they, it's a public school. So they're driving, and when they get to the estate, they go through security, and they see this big gate. And the first thing that happens to the girls in, in the car, they're like, wow, what a place. Then they drive through the estate. They get to the school. Another big gate Go through security. And the, the school, the way my, my, my wife described it, is like an estate within an estate. The school itself. So the girls in the car, they look at the buildings, they look at the facilities, and they were gripped with fear. My wife says she saw their countenance like just going down, like we're going to lose this game. We are, we are beat today. We are in trouble today. And if you know my wife, she's like Caroline Webb. She started calling greatness out of them. She said, come on, girls, you can do it. Don't look at the facilities. Come on, we can take them down. You know, that's the Caroline Webb spirit right there, you know. You can take them down, girls. You remember the quotation from Caroline Webb last week? Teach your children to fight. That's Caroline Webb right there. So Lindy is talking to them. And I'm, I think my wife, knowing her, she might have quoted, you know, if, if you look at uh, the Old Testament, the, the 12 spies who went out to spy the land. You know, the 10 came back and they said, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And in their eyes too. That's what fear will do to you. You forget who you are. You forget who God has called you to be. That's what fear will do to you. And it is my prayer that we can be able to understand the God that we worship. He gives us an identity that helps us to fight the battles. I know you, you're thinking, what happened to the game? Did they win or lose? I mean, my wife tells me that after she gave them that pep talk, as they were walking out of the car, they were like walking tall with a bit of a swag, you know? Like, we're going to take them out. You know, something happens when you understand who you are in God. I think it is my wife's prayer that they drew. <laughs> they didn't win or lose, but they drew the game. Someone had to pray that... Uh, they didn't have to lose the game. But the key thing I want to bring to you is uh, who are the people that are fighting the battles with you? Do you have the kind of people that when you share your vision with them, they encourage you, they say, you can do this? Or is those people who are gripped and paralyzed by fear that they say, are you sure? Are you sure God spoke to you? Are you sure you can do Are you sure you're supposed to start this business? Are you sure? We need to have people who will not be gripped by fear because they understand the audience of one. They understand the God we worship. You ask yourself, why did God say to, to them, uh, go to the water? So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as dogs and those who kneel down to drink. I, I want to just explain these other two groups. We, we've moved from 32 to 10,000. Now, there's this group of 7,700 that bowed down. They knelt down to drink water like this. 
And at that point, you will understand that this is how they used to worship Baal. They were so used to the worship of Baal that when the moment came for them to look at the water, because water also signifies a mirror, you can look at yourself and say, I'm a child of God. I'm made of God. I can take the enemies out. When you look at the mirror, you should be able to tell yourself that. I'm created in the image of God. That's why God said, let's go to the water. And the water was a place of refreshing as well. The water signifies the Holy Spirit. So he takes them to the water. Instead of them looking and saying, this is who God has called us to be, they were so paralyzed with fear, they went down like the way they would worship Baal. They had forgotten the worship of one. They had moved away from the worship of one. They had moved away from understanding who this God is. I I love the one speaker, he says that, you know, when we pray, we should not pray with our eyes on the problems, we should pray with our eyes on God. We don't pray looking at the circumstances around us. We pray and say, we know that our God will take us through this battle. How are you positioned in this army that God is raising? Are you with the 22,000 that were crippled by fear? Are you with the the 7,700 that that were so used to to the worship of Baal? They were so used to the way culture uh, uh, predicted to them how things should be. As I was preparing, I thought to myself, we we tend to follow what culture dictates of us. And at times, we need to stand up to culture and say, just because my parents used to do this, it doesn't mean that I have to do it. You do it with honor and respect, but at some point, you need to stand and say, in this house, we're not going to do that. You say, it ends with me, this curse that's been in this family, so that the next generation will not have to fight the same battles that you're fighting today. So we have to tear down the altars. The third group of people that we read about here is 300 of them drank from cupped hands. Wow. (laughs) Love that. They, They did go down, but they had a skill. They were alert. We've got an enemy. They scooped the water. They looked, and they saw themselves. God can take us through this battle. And they started drinking looking around, looking at the enemy. They, they had a skill and a tactic, and they understood the worship of one, that we will not bow down. We will not bow down to the idols. My question is, where are you positioned in this vast army that God is raising? Are you positioned with those who will not bow down to the idols of this world? Are you positioned in such a way that you can say, we know that our God can help us fight the battles that South Africa is facing today? We can help us fight the battles that Joburg is facing today and change the narrative that's out there about the Joburg, a city of crime and corruption, and say we know that our God can take us through the challenges we are facing. I want to have men and women around my life who would be like these guys, who were alert, who were skillful, and who understood the worship of one. This is the word I believe God is saying to us this morning. In this coming season of the church, The ones who are going to engage in battle are the ones who have settled the matter of who they worship. The ones who are going to engage in battle and see change and transformation are the ones who have settled the issue of who do I worship? Who is my object of worship? Who is the one I live my life to please? I believe it's those that draw their identity from God who understand who they are. I believe it's those who have worn the garment of righteousness because they understand that purity is not an option. 
They understand that the worship of one expects me to live a life that pleases him and him alone. Let me speak to the young people that are here. I know we have high scholars with us this morning. If you have an idol of fitting in, God is saying, move away from that idol. If you are battling the idol of, of, of success, for all of us that are here today, God is saying, move away from that idol. If you are battling the idol of money, that is a spirit of mammon that is in the city, Joburg, God is calling us today and say, if in 2018 we are to have the best year yet, we need to sort out who do we worship, mammon or God? Who do we worship? Do we worship money or God? We need to settle that in our hearts. I have to say this, that there are people who even worship the idol of sex. We need to understand that when they were talking about uh, Baal and, and Asherah, Asherah was a goddess of fertility. So the way they would worship Asherah is actually through sexual promiscuity. So when God said to, to, to Gideon, tear down that altar, when God said to him, tear down that altar, he was going after these idols that they have been worshiping, including the idol of sex. God is saying, I want you to overcome. Let's read it here. Judges 6, we take it one step back before Gideon can go and win the battle. God is saying, the same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's head, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole besides it. Then build a proper kind of altar for the Lord your God and on top of this height, using the wood of Asherah pole that you cut down, burn it, destroy it. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering to the Lord. So Gideon took ten of his servants, and he did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in daytime. You know, verses like this in Scripture, they help me. I don't know about you, sir. The Bible is real, you know. The author didn't say, okay, let's remove this part about he did it at night because he was afraid. You must remember... This was the time when he's having an encounter with God and God wants him to deal with fear. And God says, I want to start with the very thing that I know you have a problem with, and that is the fear of people. He was afraid of his family and the townspeople. So for us today, uh, I want us this to be a takeaway. God wants us to overcome the fear of man. God wants us to overcome the fear of man. I was blown away just yesterday being at a memorial service. So one of the ladies here at church, the father passed away. He was 80 years old. A man lived a full life. I mean, this guy, when they show the video of his life and the photos that were taken, I mean, they call him a Jesus man. He led so many people to the Lord. He was an executive in the early years of his life. He had led so many executives to the Lord. Most of the pictures they showed was him baptizing people. I mean, I was so impacted by that. I'm like, I want to be the kind of guy like this. At my funeral, they show pictures of baptisms. Not Nando's. I just threw it in there for you, sir. That's just for sir. Me and sir, we have a Nando's love relationship. What do we want to be known for? This old guy, what touched me the most is that the family asked me to do an altar call at the memorial service. Because they said, we know that our dad would have wanted an altar call at his memorial service. I was just blown away by that. Some people committed their lives to the Lord. And I believe that 
This is the age God is taking us to. The age of compromise is over. The age of complacency is over. We need an army that will not be afraid of the people to rise up. Tear down the altars. So the fear of man is some, something that gripped us. I was reading a book by uh, Joyce Myers. I know, most of you know who Joyce Myers is, an amazing speaker and author. The, the name, just the title of the book will convict you. It is called Approval Addiction. You, not, you can understand why I picked it up. It, it means overcoming the fear to please people. That's what the book is all about. And as I was reading this book, it was, it was so speaking into my heart that one of the things that I took out of that was, you cannot please God and people at the same time. At some point, you have to choose who you are going to please. That is why we're talking about the altars that we worship, the idols that we worship. At some point, we need to tear down these altars. We need to destroy them. I also like that from the book, Joyce Meyer, she says that one of the things you'll have to do when you start worshiping God and the worship of one is to say no to people. And you know when you start saying no to people, you're going to lose some friendships. And she said, if you lose friendships, it means the relationship was not there in the first place. There are times we compromising our values because we want to keep friendships and relationships, but those are not the people you want to go to war with. Those are not the people you want to go to war with. You cannot trust people like those. They don't understand the worship of one. I was so convicted by the book, I actually started sending the link to so many people. Uh, if I did send it to you as a Christmas gift, I, I, I didn't mean that you have people issues. Let me just clarify that. I just send it as a gift. Amen. God is very serious about the worship of one. He is very serious about lordship. Number one core value of this church and every nation globally is lordship. We believe that our God should be the only one we worship. We believe that he's the only boss. We believe that everything that we do, we must run it by him and say, God, what is it that you want us to do? So Lordship, if you don't understand it, I will encourage you to go back to the foundations. In our foundations class, we talk about Lordship. We teach about Lordship. We help people to walk a life of Lordship. Through our connect groups, we hold each other accountable so we can live a life that pleases the one and only God. We need to understand the worship of one. This is how God is so serious about the worship of one. And God spoke to all, all these words. I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath and in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, I'm your God. I am a jealous God. God says, I'm a jealous God. And if you ask me, is it there in the New Testament? Right there. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all this I give you, he said. If you will bow down and worship me, Jesus said. If you will bow down and worship me, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. Just as I was reading this, I thought to myself, if you want angels to follow you and to attend to you, worship the one and only God. 
If you want angels to surround you, as Psalm 91 says that he gives angels his special forces. He gives them charge to look after us. So let us clear out the worship of one. So what happens after Gideon destroyed the idols? I'm closing with this. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet. He blew a trumpet. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. After he destroyed idols, after you destroy the idols, I like this phrase, God appoint, anoints those he appoints. God anoints those he appoints. God had appointed Gideon and he anointed him and says, blow the trumpet. So God is saying, blow the trumpet. And it means send out an alert. Send out an alert for what I want to do to take this people to the place of understanding the worship of one. And when you get that right, you'll be able to be anointed by the Spirit of God and you'll be able to win the battles. I love the fact that when you read verse 15, it says, Arise, because God has given Midian into your hand. Now, the, the English there is very important. Arise, God has already given Midian into your hands. It means you've already won the battle. Therefore, we do not fight for victory because victory is already won. We do not fight for victory. We already just go and worship God because we understand the worship of one. When Joel blew the altar, we blew the trumpet. We spoke about it two weeks ago. He called an assembly, called them to a time of fasting and prayer that they should repent because repentance precedes revival. Gideon called the people and said, we need to pray and trust God because we are at war, people. So this is what we are saying to every nation, Rosebank. We are at war. We are at war. And this is what we need to do. We're sounding the trumpet to go down on our knees and pray. Please join us this year so we can prioritize prayer. We're blowing the trumpet to go deep in the Word because when you look at the Word, it's that mirror that tells you who you are. You're a child of God. You're a royal priesthood. You are called to bring down the Asherah poles and the idols in your life and to bring down the idols of this nation. We are called to bring change to this nation. We are sounding the trumpet that in 2018, we want to make disciples who make disciples. We are blowing the trumpet that in 2018, we want to serve with our gift and talents because we understand that work is worship unto God. When you serve, you're worshiping God. Whether you're serving at work, whether you're serving in your community, or serving in the church, it is worship unto God. So what I'm saying to you this morning, if you want this year to be the best year yet, sort out the worship of one. Sort out the worship of one. Sort it out. Tear down the altars. And the trumpet has already been blown. As I pray for you this morning, I want you to be aware of this. It is unfortunate that Gideon, after he won the battle, it was only later that he built another altar of idol worship. My prayer is that we will not go back to the altars that we've already destroyed. If you've destroyed altars in your life, you know whatever altar it may be, don't go back to that altar. Worship the one and only God. Let's pray. Father God, I pray and bring your people before you. I pray that for all of us, you show us what is that idol that we have let 
to linger in our lives. We may have been Christians for many years, but we've let idols to linger longer in our lives. Help us, Father, to tear down the altars. Help us this coming week, Father, to see those areas in our lives where we struggle with the fear of man, where we struggle with the fear of our families, Lord God, where we struggle with fearing our bosses and our colleagues, Father God. Help us, Father, to repent and to leave to the audience of one and to please the audience of one. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, as I said that this is our Volunteer Sunday, we're going to give you an opportunity to find a place in the house of the Lord to serve and bring your worship to Him through your acts of service with your gifts and talents. So we're going to play a video now. And after this video, Pastor Steve is going to explain to us how we can get involved in uh, serving in the house of the Lord. Can we thank God and give Him a round of applause? Amen. Amen.